Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Sacramento Regional Championships. First off, the fact that two first-time regionals players, that's right, two players who were competing in their first-ever regional championships made it all the way to the finals of the tournament this weekend. Crazy enough that one person can do it, but the fact that it's two first-time players meeting in the finals, we're going to break that down and give our thoughts about that. A little bit of discussion around that in the community this past weekend. We're going to, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. I always appreciate it when someone comes up to me at a regionals and says, just so you know, Chip, Guess That Flavor Text really is my favorite <laughs> segment of the podcast. Uh, and then, yeah, we're going to close out by going over the r- results of Sacramento Regionals. So the meta, how it shaped up, what decks won, what decks did well, some things that are surprising um and then some things that we could have expected and then of course we are going to have our additional 30 minute bonus episode exclusive over to our patreons over on patreon if you want to get a little bit of extra content from me and azul here podcast related every single week you can go check us out on patreon patreon.com slash uncommon energy podcast you get access to all the old episodes the old bonus episodes and the new one we do every single week. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host, coming off a pretty strong finish in Sacramento, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How you doing? How you feeling after your top eight? I'm pretty good, Chip. Yeah, feeling good. It was nice to get uh, the top eight. Of course, had like a little bit of a slow start to the season, I guess, with, uh, I don't know, what did I get? Uh, two drops. <laughs> so <laughs> getting a top eight was cool. Uh, and I expect to get quite a few more throughout the season, or that's the plan anyways. Uh, I just copied, um, basically just copied the list from uh, Raymond Long, who got one Peoria Regional. Just changed one card, cut a, each court for an escape rope. Uh, escape rope's pretty good with Kyogre, and it worked out fine. Beach court probably would have been fine as well, to be honest. Um, don't really, one way or the other, didn't really matter too much, I don't feel like. So beach court would have been fine. Escape rope was cool as well. Um, stadiums in general actually weren't, that as or felt not as good because there was so much Lugia. Stadiums aren't staying in pay, play against mm. Lugia very often because either they're bumping it with the Lugia's attack or they're putting their own stadium in play. But if you also like bumps, bump paths uh, up against the path matchups can be cool as well. But you're like favored against Mew and Maridon, so it doesn't really matter too much either, I guess. Yeah. How did you yeah, feel cool about deck. the the deck all said and done? Obviously, you made top eight, but you know, objectively yeah. feeling like it was still the best play for the tournament for you. I mean, it was solid. Um, it's there's the meta is like really open. And there's just like a lot of good decks. Obviously, Lugia kind of overall dominated this tournament. Um, but if you ran it back, uh, I think, you know, you could have seen a different result for sure. Um, where, uh, you know, could have seen more Lost Box and Cut. Could have seen just other stuff in Cut, to be honest. The Cut was kind of lacking in diversity. It was like two Lost Zone decks, both Ogres, uh, one Guardi, one Arceus deck and then the four Lugia. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, if you run the tournament back overall, like, it could have been a completely different meta. There was definitely some other decks that could have popped up. It, like, I guess the biggest thing was, um, I don't know. It's kind of kind of hard to say. I was going to say, like, there wasn't the Maridons weren't able to really take advantage of the Lugias, I guess, overall. But Lugia really wasn't very popular, you know? Like, I feel like Lugia players use 
boss box as the stepping stones to get to top eight. And if there's not as much Lugia from Maridon to use as the stepping stones, then the Maridons are just getting stepped on by the lost boxes. So <laughs> um, I think the way for, for the meta percentages, like it kind of made sense the way it went overall. But yeah, like yeah, I was still, I enjoyed playing Kyogre again, like the most powerful attack in the game. Using that is always cool. And yeah, it was just solid deck overall. So yeah, shout out to to Raymond, I guess, specifically for uh, for the list, basically. Um, and yeah, I was pretty content with it. Would have been content with the two with like the two prize Kyogre build as well. Like I'm not too picky between the two, but I think there was like a slight, slightly better reason to play the the Zamacenta build over the the two prize build. It was like slightly better. For sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Congrats on the finish overall. Super solid. I of course was casting in uh sacramento which was a blast i actually got to cast with pablo meza aka table mom for the first time and i really enjoyed it i like getting to do play-by-play casting which i usually end up doing the analyst role or like the color commentary it just kind of depends on who i'm paired with um and i don't mind doing either of them but i really like i like probably prefer slightly doing play-by-play um, mm. So that's like what I get to do when I'm with Kyle Sablehouse because he pretty much only does analyst uh, or color commentary. Pablo also is like only does analyst color commentary. So it was a good mix. I really enjoyed it. Got to cast the finals with him. Um, and yeah, overall, super good time. And then got home last night at like midnight, woke up this morning, went with Brooke and Samuel to the North Carolina state fair, which was busted broken. So (laughs) much fun. Ate some fried food, ate some bad for you sweets. And uh, that's, that's called a successful day at the state fair right there. (laughs) Is that a big thing? Like I know everyone like their state fairs a lot in States, but like, is it a bigger thing in Carolina? It's like a pretty, I mean, I think pretty much everywhere in the South, it's like a pretty big thing to go to the The state State fair. fair. Yeah. yeah. And then like also just for us, just because the state fair is in Raleigh. So it's like really easy to go to because it's, yeah. it's the fairgrounds are like 10 minutes away from where we live or less. So, um, yeah, really easy to it's like no reason not to go check it out at least one day every year. There was like one year where I think we went because it lasts for like 10 days or something like that. We went like three times in 10 days <laughs> one year, uh, just like last 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. It's is a it- long time. Is it like, I assume it's bigger on the, is it like two weekends? Because it start on a Friday and then end yeah, on a Sunday yeah, exactly. the next week? Yeah. Okay, okay. Because mm-hmm. I assume the weekends are more more busy than the weekday. Usually, yeah. But they do like specials every single day. Like there's like a, like today was uh, senior day. And so we chose to go today. Well, mostly because it made sense with like our schedule, but also because um, we were like, okay, maybe it won't be like as crazy crowded. Because we, we have like kind of one rule that we don't go to the state fair on canned food night because there's one night every single year that they the admission into the fair is just you bring canned goods to like donate and we just we don't go on that night because it is the most packed people will go to (laughs) the grocery store and get like a 50 cent can of beans or something like that bring it as their admission and it's just like your shoulder to shoulder brooke got basically run over by a scooter one year oh on God. canned food night because of how packed it was it was like a runaway uh you know scooter situation um so yeah we don't go on canned food night but then I'm after today the there was a it was pretty it was pretty crowded honestly for like just first thing in the morning but 
it makes sense when you consider it was senior citizen day, right? Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're waking up and going to the fair because they get to go for free <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So Brooke was like halfway through the shoes, like, I think we're adding another day to the list of days we don't come to the fair. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to a, I'm now, now I'm just like curious. I wonder if that's like a thing that they have in, at other state fairs too, just different different entries for different nights. No, don't Probably, go on Canton night right? and don't go on senior. I've citizen. been to the South Carolina State Fair when I was in college once. Oh mm. no, it was a county fair. It wasn't even the state fair. But um, yeah, man, in the South we got to find something to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Not like you there... big city folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if there was like a state fair in Massachusetts. There was the uh. It called? I forget what it was called, but it was like where they would do the, the what are they like a kayak ra- kayak races? It was like the kayak it was like a kayak race thing, and there was like a you know like tents and stuff with food and all that other stuff. I remember what it was called though. I, I remember going kayak to that like, races. Yeah, I remember what it was called every year. Hold on, race Boston. What? What is it called? The Charles Canoe Kayak Race. That's what I found. New Canoe Paddleboston.com. Dude, I don't remember what it was, it was called. It was decently big, if I remember correctly. It was on the Charles. It was literally down. Did you compete? No. We well, just went to like hang out. I remember just going and hanging out. Because it was kind of like more of like a, it wasn't just the races that were happening. It was kind of like a fair or festival or whatever you want to call it kind of thing. I don't dude, know. Dude, renting a canoe is expensive. The Charles? What the heck? That's a lot for it? renting a canoe. That's got to be like a percentage of the price of like what it costs to buy a canoe. But how much was it? How much is it? Like 120 bucks for a day. Oh, well, I guess I don't know those details. Also, <laughs> this is for run of the Charles Sunday, April 26th, 2022 2020. or sorry, 2020. 20. Well, what are the odds that this that... did not happen? <laughs> is that April that is 2020? Yeah, that didn't happen probably. <laughs> And oh gosh, they didn't update it since then. Oh yeah, we're yeah. yeah. Uh oh, they stopped. <laughs> Nothing well, on the Charles anymore. Enough of that. And let's get into this week's episode and all the things we have to talk about. Really, mostly just details of Sacramento. And the first thing, which you know, I think this is a thing that's pretty cool, and it's like good for the game overall, as far as like getting more people interested and in joining and wanting to compete in the game. And that is the fact that it was two players competing in their first ever regional championships who made it to the finals of the tournament. We had Nicolo Abate versus Alexander Flatos. Nicolo was playing an Arceus Gyarados VMAX deck and Alexander playing colorless Lugia V-Star. We'll talk more about like the decks and meta and stuff later on in the episode, but this was, uh, I think, overall something that's just cool and it's good in general for the growth of the it's like a good sign for growth of the game i think right um i'm just kind of neutral on it i just don't think it matters <laughs> okay <laughs> like there's some people who view it as a positive thing some people view it as a negative thing i just to me it just like doesn't matter you just had two players who are good at the pokemon tcg show up and do well at the pokemon tcg you know like i don't think it's a sign of anything good or anything bad i think i'm just really neutral on the the whole uh topic of it because like you know people were saying it's a good thing it's a positive thing um i mean it's good for them because they got to the finals <laughs> like but for <laughs> me it's just like yeah i mean it's cool i like it's it's sick it's just sick that more people are getting into pokemon how well they do kind of 
doesn't matter for the growth of the game, right? But I guess well, maybe it gives, for some, some, it looking, gives someone a benchmark, right? And like, if yeah, they're on the outside people... looking in, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Maybe that could be like, but I don't know. I don't know if it was like going to deter people that, you know, they weren't seeing newer players do well in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, for like something a... like, so Alexander, I don't know as much about Nicolo's situation because I didn't yeah. uh, get to speak to him, but I spoke to Alexander for a couple minutes before the finals and just asked him like, about um you know his kind of like background in the game and stuff and it's like because he had mentioned in one of his interviews that he um had played Yu-Gi-Oh in the past and it's like it sounds like yeah. he was like a, a Yu-Gi-Oh player for like six to seven years mm-hmm. and That's picked heard, up yeah. Pokemon like a bit more serious like he said he had played Pokemon on and off in the past like he said he had played Night March to a tournament one time like so that's you know back 2016 time frame right yeah um but he uh you know was playing in his first regionals here playing the lugia and it like just picked it up kind of more seriously the last few months and i mean i gotta imagine part of that is due to the increase in prize pool right (laughs) you know doubling the first place prize like just kind of gets more eyes on the game naturally uh and so it's like cool to see someone who's like been i mean i don't know how successful alexander was or wasn't in Yu-Gi-Oh, right but someone who's like familiar with card games played other card games it sounds like he plays one piece as well um being able to pick it up and like translate that into Pokemon. And it gives, you know, more reason for, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a kind of a daunting task for someone maybe who is so committed down the path of Yu-Gi-Oh magic, one piece, whatever. to like make a switch over to another card game. Right. So it kind of can give you a benchmark that it's like, okay, maybe my skills can translate to this other game and I can actually earn something for doing it too, as opposed to like, you know, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh, you get a deck box. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think everyone should come play pokemon when i hear about what people are winning for like top eighteen tournaments and stuff in other card games so why would you play anything that's not pokemon to be honest if like <laughs> if that's where your goals uh, yeah I, but i'm not on the other side of the the coin either like i'm not saying it's like i mean it, I, it's a positive thing in terms of like people winning in the pokemon tcg is how i view it but i'm not on the other side of the coin either where like there's a lot of people who are saying negative things about the you know the fact that it was two newer players that um that were in the finals right um, yeah and i i do like kind of understand the sentiment and this was like mostly posted by this one person sin carver who said the winner and finalist of sacramento regionals were two players that attended their that first regionals the last hmm? name is it carver carver it? that's what i I, mean, I don't know for sure i mean it's your so it's tough but yeah <laughs> Carberg. i don't know Carberg. Winner and finalist of Sacramento regionals were two players that attended their first regional. I see many people commenting that this is a good thing. Personally, I think this says a lot about Arceus and Lugia archetypes, and I can't wait till they rotate. I mean, can you, and then follows up. I mean, can you imagine any sport where you can just show up for the first time and win against some of the best players? um, So I think there's a little bit of a, I think this is just like, unnecessarily negative from sen um not even the initial post so much this is like kind of i think feel like this is sen not going after the player so much it's just kind of like talking about the current state of the game yeah I agree. which is different yeah. um but then i guess like the second this like there's like a pokemon is not supposed to be chess right but i feel like a lot of people like push towards wanting pokemon to be more like chess or like draw parallels to something that can be very easily compared to chess like the second comment send made i mean can you imagine a sport where you just show up for the first time and win against some of the best players yeah i can it's called pokemon uh <laughs> so like 
at some point you should just go play chess and i've been saying that a lot recently on my stream when yeah go ahead and get topics. that one off of your yeah. uh your when weekly <laughs> bingo card of when, when i just energy episode yeah when i discuss topics and stuff especially in my stream or like talking to people at some point you should just go play chess if you want to take away all the things that make card games so much different and more unique than chess right they're both strategy games they're both one-on-one -on -one games but there's a lot of rng in card games and stuff that's unique and different um you don't really know what to expect every single time when you sit down to play a game of chess, you're playing black or white and all the pieces do the exact same thing every time. Not that there's no, not that that's not a fine thing for chess, but that's just, you know, those are the differences of the games, right? Obviously, chess is a higher skill ceiling than Pokemon, but, you know, if that's what you're looking for, then Pokemon might not be it for you. I think, um, I think the idea or the thought process by Sen's initial tweet has more to do with uh, maybe their frustration with the current way, the, the format, that the, the way the game's been played, you know, the last couple of years um and i can understand that a little bit but it feels really negative the way sen kind of put it out there and phrased it and the way some other people looked at that uh and phrased it um and like i said personally i don't view it as like an overly like i don't think it's a negative thing that the two finalists of this regional were the this is their first regional but i don't think it's an overly positive thing either i think it's just kind of neutral like it just doesn't matter so like the idea of calling out that part of it specifically just feels weird to like take note of both two players in the finals of this regional were uh this is their first regionals and um uh well, i was gonna go for someone else from there uh <laughs> and this is like a bad thing you know what i'm saying or like making that a vocal point of why the format is bad it just feels really really negative and weird um instead of just being like you know just have their good old vent about how the format's bad and hopefully it gets better with rotation or something i don't know yeah yeah, and I saw some replies to this too of people being like, I mean, it should be cool and, and kind of what I was saying too. It's like it should be cool and encouraging to players of other card games that uh, their skills can translate over to, you know, uh, Pokemon potentially, right? And yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I think that I can understand. I agree. Like, it does de definitely sound like since saying more about the cards and the way they're designed, even in one of these replies, saying like, yeah, just very bad designed cards, IMO, <laughs> um, which you can feel like that for sure. Uh, but I do feel like, I mean, obviously Lugia is very powerful, like in a vacuum, right? Like, just like, you know, it's got a lot of HP. It has a high damage attack and it lets you cheat extra energy out of play because uh of what you compare it with with its v-star power right um so i can understand like feeling like something like that is boring but also at the same time it's unique like there's never been a pokemon that really can do something like this right that pulls things out of the discard pile that lets you cheat these extra cards into play um and that was actually something we talked about on the stream how like every single one of the top six decks that we had this weekend are all decks that let you cheat extra energy cards into play it turns out breaking the good. rules of the game is pretty strong right yeah definitely pretty good um, but yeah point you I'll can like it... see this and think that the I, I don't know it's like i think what's maybe sin is wanting here is just like uh a pokemon of the past right which i don't know that we're necessarily gonna have again at least not yeah. super soon well, one thing I'll say to that is <laughs> you always rag on me for bringing this up, but <laughs> the first regional championships I played in Masters. Oh my I also, gosh, you I also, it? I also won, and that was in one of, the, one of the formats that people considered one of the best formats of all time back in 2010. So, like, I don't know. Do we just discredit the 2010 format because of that? Like, what is that? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think this is, like, I also don't think, like, two new players. I mean, listen, I wouldn't, I don't love, I wouldn't love the idea of, the top eight of every Pokemon TCG tournament being 
just eight random players every single time effectively, right? Yeah. But it's not like that's like a trend we're seeing in the results of tournaments either, right? We're not seeing eight players who showed up to their first regional, which was like theoretically, there's going to be more people who are going to their, well, I guess not. There's more people going to their first regional than any other number of regionals they're probably attending at any regional, right? Yeah. So theoretically, there'll be more first. If it was truly random, the results of a tournament were truly random, we would just see that consistently over and over again. But we don't see that. Yeah, um, and we've so, also like already even this season seen consistency from some players like Jesse Parker getting second place and then top eight at two regionals in a row. Sawyer Melbourne got top four at this regionals and got uh, top 16 in Pittsburgh, the first regionals of the year. So like that's two yeah. really solid finishes in a row. Like Grant Shen, top eight. Yep. Last yep. one, top 16. This one like, yep. yeah, there's there's still plenty of consistency to look at for sure. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think. uh this 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 is probably more of a standout result. I don't think Lil Regionals this weekend is going to have two first time regional champion or two first time regionals attendees in the finals. It probably won't even happen another time this whole year, even if the format was to get like quote unquote worse. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a, like I said. I don't think it's a negative or a positive. I think it just happened, and that's fine. <laughs> like that's how I <laughs> that's how I like look at the situation. It's just yeah, two players showed up, played some Pokemon, did well. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine um i could see I, I, but i can't really have that perspective of someone who is on the outside looking in and thinking can i ever do well in this game what does it take to do well it can definitely um, seem do daunting, i want to get into pokemon? I feel like to people you know yeah, like, i could see that but I, I just can't i just don't have that perspective because i'm not in their shoes i can't imagine having that perspective also as someone who is as competitive as i am i can't like it's really hard for me to relate to that so i i mean in the, you could definitely let us know in the comment section is seeing so, you mean seeing players like uh nicola or nicolo uh nicolo and alexander do well first regional champions for each of them is that like a motivation for other people out there to to want to prove what they got go to your first regional championship i'm sure for some people it is but like yeah when yeah. i look at it i just like i don't think about it as a negative or a positive it's just like it is what happened <laughs> which yeah, is I, I guess a little bit a little bit of a lame way to look at it in general to be honest i definitely saw right. that in some of my like the quote retweets on my posts i don't there's not a good way to look at quote retweets anymore on desktop but um, I definitely saw a lot of people saying that of like, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is cool. Like uh, now this gives me hope, things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean ma imagine yourself, right? Like, uh, like what if Magic the Gathering came out and their standard format tournaments, their pro circ uh, or uh, what, what are their tournaments called? Pro tours? Pro tour, yeah. yeah. Um, pro tour. But can anyone play in a pro tour? They can. Right? They got to get like some kind of invite. You have to get an invite oh, to a pro okay. tour. Well, what's their biggest level of open tournament? Like a PTQ or something? Yeah, something like that. So, like, like, what cups. if they they announced that like a PTQ, you know, paid out similar to this Pokemon or like double, triple, whatever Pokemon's paying out? Like something that would really. Oh, I think a PTQ is like play. a, a PTQ is like a league cup. You have to oh. win that or top two that or something to go to. Well, like whatever. A, okay, so some, what if they? Like, I don't know the levels. There's levels. What if qualifier for a qualifier? Oh my gosh! <laughs> what I if get what magic, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Then they announced, and uh, you know, it would incentivize someone like you, who's great at Pokemon, to be like, "Hmm, now there's this opportunity. I could make a lot of money playing Magic, but I've got, you know, over a decade of experience playing Pokemon. I don't really know much about Magic. You know, it, it would def, and it's like a game that's existed longer than Pokemon has. It, I have to imagine it would maybe feel a little like. Mm, is this worth really sinking my time into you know yeah i mean from i mean i already have my answer for that so like <laughs> hard for me to consider ever doing anything outside of pokemon right now but 
Um, I, I guess I kind of see what you're saying. I think it's maybe more of a motivator for like newer players than like players yeah, who are just good at other games. So, I think, yeah. I think players who are good at other other games, um, and anyone who's like really good at Pokemon understands that they could go be really good at a different card game. There's really they're just a, it's just another one v one strategy game. Like there really isn't that much more depth to being uh, a top tier Yu Gi Oh player, as a top tier Pokemon player, as a top tier Magic player. It's like basically all the same. Like if they, it would take you time to get there. You couldn't just be able to be a top tier magic player from being a top tier pokemon player or vice versa but you'd be able to get there eventually for sure except for okay. chess because they start when they're like five years old that's too yeah though. no kidding yeah. <laughs> that one would be daunting right and yeah, you're never you gonna see someone showing up to their first chess tournament and beating nope. magnus carlson <laughs> like it's just not happening right it would be funny if it did happen though yeah. that would be insane maybe yeah, maybe it, they would be magnus carlson if they were wearing a watch that yeah that could be <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah, I'm gonna roll up to a chess tournament with a watch. Everyone's gonna get tilted. I'm gonna get that dub. If you don't um, understand the reference, no, I do. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm talking to me. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but I, but I think to be honest, chess price. Chess, there's like no money in competitive chess though, compared to what it should be for how big it is. So. I don't know if we're winning more money here over here in Pokemon than they are in chess. We definitely have it pretty dang good compared <laughs> to like most esports, even like. <laughs> well, fighting games at least. Fighting games, yeah. In comparison yeah. to like fighting games, I mean, if you're if you're like a pro league player, you're 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 set. But yeah, um, yeah, even some. Or if you're playing, like, there. if you're playing Fort, if you're a Fortnite pro, you're probably pretty set too. But like, I hope so. <laughs> that's about it. All right, CS:GO, maybe I don't know. All right, yeah. well, you got anything else you want to add about this topic, Azul? No, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I think, like, it's it just felt weird. Like, it, I think it was, like, people just saw, like, the negative frustrations that people have maybe with the game currently just kind of came out in, like, a bad way. Um, in a way where it almost felt directed at the two finalists, right? Um, I don't think anyone really had anything against them personally. Um, more so maybe where people feel like the skill level is in the game um or with the 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 way some of the decks are piloted in the game kind of like sen's tweet was seemed to be more focused on that and it kind of came out kind of came out in a weird negative way where it kind of felt like it was aimed towards the players but i don't think anyone has anything against uh nicolo or alexander and yeah congrats to them on you know both making to, to the finals pretty sick played against alexander alexander's pretty chill definitely enjoyed playing against him so um yeah hopefully they you know keep it up show up show up to another tournament although alexander got the invite now so i don't know maybe uh, yeah i'm just gonna check out <laughs> vibe it's... until it's time for hawaii right <laughs> yeah or maybe come through again and win another one that'd be even sicker so That'd be pretty we'll dope. all right well with that all being said we do have to give a, a quick thanks and shout out to our amazing sponsor dragon shield of course they are our sponsor here on the uncommon energy podcast dragon shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market including sleeves binders deck boxes and so much more as well how many boxes of sleeves did you go through this weekend because i know you like to resleeve <laughs> midday i like to resleeve before day two resleeve before top cut what are we at I did not receive before Top Cut, but I did receive three times. Five rounds. By the way, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. (laughs) Dude, there's some people who don't receive ever. Did you see that tweet from that one person who hasn't received in like five years? Or they use the same set of sleeves for every tournament. They said it was the sleeves that they used for their first magic deck. And they haven't broken a sleeve since. That's so they, sick. <laughs> they were rarely dirty. I would not recommend doing that. It's probably like a <laughs> it's like a uh what's it called? A biohazard or something at this point. Like Yeah, I like, have uh 
we had 2005 decks at um the regionals this weekend for like our caster battles and stuff and like on on my retro decks the sleeves are all pretty much just like old sleeves that i've like used for a couple tournaments and then i'm like done using them so i put them on old decks uh and one of the decks is sleeved in some of the old yellow glossy dragon shields that i've talked about before that was like the sleeve that i used to use for years back in that used to be 16 17 yeah even back then dragon shields were like the standard all the good players back in the day had the played use dragon shields man everyone for sure (laughs) uh and i was like standards but like i i use mats now but it kind of felt nice to like the, the glossy ones just feel so good to riffle shuffle they just feel they they're sick. so slick so smooth uh and so that felt kind of nice to like actually uh use those again maybe think like mm, maybe i need to go pick up a box of glossies or something like that but i was talking with puka about it and puka was saying how he had a set of um uh or no he knew someone that had a set of like black glossy dragon shields that they had used for like seven or eight years something like that just like tournament to don't tournament, break bro pulled them out and he said they <laughs> eventually uh decided they needed to throw them out because they smelled bad because they uh, no. <laughs> it was like it was time to move on because it had been seven years and they had just too much gamer sweat on them <laughs> Yeah, even if your dragon shields last that long, it's probably at some point you gotta replace. Yeah, you gotta replace them <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, huge shout out to Dragon Shield for uh, being a sponsor of the podcast as always. I was wa- rocking the tangerines this week. I got to re up. I got a lot of tangerines to go through this season, so I'll be rocking the tangerines for a little while. So yeah, huge shout out to Dragon Shield as always. Check them out. dragonshieldcom slash webshop slash EU or US, depending on where you're located. And of course, as always, they're available literally everywhere else. Up next, Chip, we got Guess That Flavor Text. It's my turn to pick a card for you to try and guess what Pokemon belongs to the Flavor Text. So how this works is one of us will pick a card, read the Flavor Text on the card, and then it's up to the other co-host to try and guess the Pokemon that that Flavor Text belongs to. The card, I guess like the card and the um, Pokemon that it belongs to. You get four points if you get it right without using any lifelines. If you use a lifeline, and for each lifeline you use, you lose one point. And the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and then read an attack name. Chip. This one seems like the I like the flavor text on this one, but I think it's definitely a good shot that you can actually get this one. This feels like one of the ones that you'll be able to like maybe break down, decipher, and get to. So, are you ready for your flavor text this week? Absolutely, let's get it. <clears throat> it claws if displeased and purrs when affectionate. Its fickleness is very popular among some. Its fickleness. Fickleness. Are you fickle, Chip? No, I feel like it's. Wait, what does it mean to be? Fi- what does it mean to be? fickle fickle is like wishy-washy right like you can't oh. uh decide how you feel one way or the other like you go back and forth on decision oh you're indecisive is kind of i guess a, a synonym for fickle i think a changeability yeah so yeah, changeability. yeah i mean immediately yeah, yeah. uh purring and claws like it's got to be a cat pokemon of some po- sort um it could be meowth of course the og cat i'm immediately kind of leaning towards purloin though i feel like i know the least about the gen 5 pokemon which is wait is purloin gen 4 purloin gen 5 i'm pretty sure i know the least you know about more them. about the the ones before that you just uh, like drop off well those 5? are like so i know a lot about gens 1 through 3 just a little bit about gen 4 uh or like a, a decent bit now i guess at this point the least about gen 5 because like 
Gen 5 was out when I was in high school. I was definitely like way too cool to be messing with Pokemon, at least in <laughs> my own mind, right? <laughs> and then I went to college and Pokemon X and Y came out and I bought a 3DS and I was like not too cool anymore. So, uh, and from then on, I've played all of the main series games. But anyway, yeah, Perlwine is definitely what I'm leaning towards. And I like part of me just wants to straight up lock it in. Um, I don't really know what I would change my mind on. Let me hear the flavor text just one more time it claws if displeased and purrs when affectionate it's fickle uh wait it's fickleness is very popular among some yeah i think like now it's just like that just sounds like a normal cat it does like, sound like a cat yeah <laughs> i don't know Definitely if anyone is like true. a fan of like a cat's indecisiveness Probably they just like the cat's personality or whatever, right? And that's yes. like part of it. It's annoying um, whenever the cats want to come I, in the house and they take forever to come into the house. Though. I do kind of want to use like at least one lifeline to narrow it down a little bit to just feel better. I don't really know what would change that would make me. I guess if it was like a set I knew for a fact this Pokemon wasn't in, or if it was like a Gen two or three set that I knew Pearl One didn't exist yet. So let's go with what set the card is from. It's from Diamond and Pearl. Dang it. <laughs> uh, Glammeow, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's that one then. <laughs> the other cat Pokemon. I forgot this existed. More cats. But, yeah. Glammeow could be Per or. Uh... Wait. Yeah. Perloin evolves into Lipard. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wait. What does Glammeow evolve into? What does Glammeow evolve into Perloin? Oh, I'm tripping. What does Lipart evolve from? No, that's Purloin. Yeah, I'm tripping. <laughs> Holy cow. This is normally you. This is. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even be able to guess the names of them. I would like, have stopped. Like... <laughs> oh, wait, I'm forgetting what Glamiao evolves into. Or is Glamiao the stage one? The, the little gray cat. One has a super curly tail. Oh, I'm like tripped up right now. I This is rare for me, I feel like. Okay, now I've, I'm way less confident. I'm going to go with um i want to set the card is from uh i'm gonna go with read an attack name it has charm oh yeah i mean it's glamiow it does glamiow evolve into per ugly well, wait why does purloin not evolve into per ugly is or does purloin <laughs> evolve into per ugly and i'm like tripping myself up glamiow into per ugly <laughs> okay i'm gonna go with glammy out dude locking it in yeah lock it in yeah it is glammy out <laughs> okay dude i thought there was a does it evolve into per ugly one. it does yeah, right it does yeah okay yeah, yeah. wait Rugby. so why doesn't purloin evolve into per ugly like that <laughs> that makes no sense uh well it came out afterwards Prugly came yeah. out before Prugly was even a, or yeah or glammy out and Prugly came out before even purloin was even a thing which one is it? Is it this one? Oh, there's two yeah, the bottom arts one. of this card. I'm right. Yeah, there's a promo art though too. Look at the promo. Oh yeah, do they? They don't do that anymore, do they? Where they used to do two arts of the same card in a set. They do sometimes, it... but when they do, it's uh, got like the alternate symbol in the bottom corner. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there it is, Glamiao with charm. I'm glad that I asked what set the card was from. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's like the one. If you as we, it was developing, I was like, if you don't ask that, then maybe you do don't actually get this. Glamiao into uh, per ugly, per ugly, and then purloin into Lipard. dude. What the heck? 
I was like Such pretty weird... sure, but like I was, de- I just got lost in my own head on that one. How does Glamio evolve into such an ugly Pokemon? Like it is, it's because it's Glamio, like glamorous, but then there's it evolves into Perugly. Perugly, dude, Perugly. Don't say that to Perugly. He's coming for uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, up next, we got to talk about the overall results. We talked about a couple of the players who did well. And we could probably start with their decks at first, to be honest. We could just work our way through the top eight list. I already talked about my list, so we don't have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, Alexander did end up winning the whole thing, like we mentioned, and was rocking the colorless Lugia, which I guess you could say overall dominated the tournament, right? Would that be fair to say? Four in top eight? I think so, yeah. And that's definitely i think the big takeaway here four in top eight and there was only 11 in day two like yeah it, it had a reasonable day one to day two conversion rate it was like eight percent to eight percent so pretty normal you would normally even expect it to be a little higher so like you could even call its conversion rate low actually but... it was interesting uh i talked to brent uh and brent was like it had the second best out of the top six the second best conversion rate lost box went from like 14 to 20 and then Lugia staying from eight to eight that gave it the second best conversion rate. Everyone oh, thing yeah. else went down in percentage. Let's or, actually, yeah, we should let's let's start by looking at the meta charts. Actually, oh yeah, let's we can take a look that. at those. So this was the day one meta share, and this is day two. So let's start with day one. We had fourteen percent lost box, fourteen percent Charizard, just a little bit more lost box than Charizard. Thirteen percent on the Maridon, twelve percent on Gardevoir, eleven on Chiempao and eight on Lugia Archeops. Um, Based on our predictions from the episode last week, Lost Box was a decent bit higher. We predicted 10%. It ended up being 14. We predicted 12% on the Zard. It ended up staying pretty consistent. It was 15 in Peoria. I think we both thought it was going to dip a little bit more than it did. You know, 14 to 15 is basically staying the same, right? No, to, no top eights. It's maintained, but still, that's actually like kind of a surprise, I guess. Back to back, fifteen percent with zero top eights. Yeah, that is definitely kind or of surprising. 15, Not what you expect to see from like the most played best deck, quote yeah. unquote, right? Uh, and then Maridon stayed it. Uh, we predicted twelve percent and ended up being thirteen. We actually had joked how we thought that Maridon could be the best or the most played deck, and it wasn't that far. Only twenty more lost box players than Maridon players in the tournament. Yeah, there was a lot of them. Also, Maradon did not have the as powerful of a showing. Of course, Jesse wasn't there to carry it. So lack of Jesse. We'll see if Jesse can change that, I think. I think Jesse is going to Toronto. So maybe Jesse will change that <laughs> at the yeah. uh, the next North American regional. But yeah, it was pretty popular. Um, and I have to imagine, like, maybe that's something that I'll, like, kind of maintain moving forward. Um, we can actually, like, talk about that while we're here, I guess. We've got little regionals this weekend. Like, how much of this do you think changes? Like, looking at this top six right here, in day one uh, from Sacramento. What do you think changes from here to Lil coming up I mean, this I weekend? Lugia can go up a bit, right? It has um, to, right? There's no way it stays at 8%. It's probably underplayed at 8%, to be honest. Yeah, I think there was just kind of like a a shock at the underperformance of it from Peoria a little bit, I guess. But, you know, the deck proving that it is really that good. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't his tournament at Peoria, I think, more so than anything. I wonder if Not... there was some scare with the potential of like spirit tomb in some decks right like spirit tomb is pretty good against colorless lugia it's definitely there was a lot not... of spirit tomb like, there was definitely a still a lot of spirit tomb yeah but i wonder like you know what i mean though like i'm saying like i wonder if that's why like less people played it maybe they're like well people are playing Depending. spirit tombs that's like annoying to deal with i don't want to play lugia if i'm gonna have to deal with those all day 
Yeah, I mean, that could have been maybe one of the reasons, but it definitely feels weird for it to drop off that hard and then do this well. But there was more Lost Box, which is pretty good for Lugia decks. Yeah. Uh, but like Charizard and Maridon, which are like, I think the Charizard matchup is fine. People say the Maridon matchup is unfavorable, but I haven't really felt that in my games I played when I go Maridon against Lugia. So to me, that one still feels pretty close. Um, but people talk as if like the Charizard and Maridon matchup are the tough matchups for Lugia, but those decks stayed the same. I mean, if anything, they just, they're literally the exact same percentage of the meta, right? Cause it was 12%, 15%. Mm -hmm. Now it's 14, 13 from, from Peoria to here. And then Lugia just, you know, dominates. So maybe it's just kind of a tournament to tournament uh, type thing. Yeah. And I mean, if we look at the Pokestats data for some of these players, like Alexander, like he played a decent amount of lost box decks. He actually played a lot of Urshifu's for, you know, how played that deck is. He played four Urshifu's, four? which is, <laughs> A pretty decent matchup, it looks like. I mean, he beat Kreckler and Victor in day two. Yeah. It's definitely um, a favorable matchup for the Lug. Yeah. And, uh, but other than that, I mean, it's like a pretty decent variety overall. Played some Mirrors, played some Charizard, did lose to the Charizard. No Maridons, like, though, I guess. Yeah, no Maridons. And this is the funny one. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not yet. Yeah, we, I actually talked to Kerr about it there. Charlie <laughs> Kerr played 11 Lost Box decks, bro. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of Lost Zone. Um, yeah, that's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I was already talking to him about it at the event. He's like, he's pretty much only played against Lost Zone decks so far when I, at the point that I talked to him after he beat me. That is pretty funny, though. Yeah. Tied a Mew, tied a Sablezard, which is like... I feel like Sablezard should be easier to beat than like the Turbo Box or Kyogre decks, right? Yeah, because they don't have any... Like, uh aggressive option they can kind of like chain the zard at the end of the game which hits pretty hard yeah but if it's just hitting into a snorlax like yeah, you just yeah. use lugia early and then you just go into snorlaxes late there's no good target for the zard to clean up on so it should definitely be a pretty good one but it was like um you know anything it's possible to lose to anything so yeah without like a doubt, too, without a doubt. too much of a shock to, and there's just a tie right so it's not too much of a shock to just see it to see a tie dorian who got top four played against quite a few gardevoir it looks like and that was a solid matchup yeah. Four. yeah, I don't know how and beat uh, beat a couple Charizards as well. I don't know if any of the Garvor players played the Temple of Sinnoh, but hey, like that's if you're like the Lugia players are going to keep it taking advantage of. People are not putting Temple of Sinnoh in the Guardian. I don't. And I don't <laughs> think anyone. I don't know if I don't think Henry Brand did or so uh, Tonneson did. Neither did Ryan. And then finally, Dominic here. I think is Dominic the only one of these four Lugia players that played against a single Maridon? Is that geez? I think that's <laughs> <Is> that <it>? <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, Charlie that's a... played zero. Dorian played against zero. I mean, we don't know what some of the question mark decks are. Yeah, but like I said, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like there's less Lugias. I don't even know how does that even work. But like the Marians are getting stepped on by the Lost Box players mm -hmm. and maybe the Zard players as well, to be honest. So they're most likely doing well. So the Colors Lugias that can kind of you know, dodge some Maridons early. The the later and later into the tournament it goes, the more likely you just aren't going to hit Maridon because the Maridons are kind of getting squished out by everything else. So, um, it's like not uh, not that big of a surprise the way it kind of ended up, I guess overall. Um, for sure. And then moving from day one into day two, I guess we should just hit the other percentage real quick. So Gardevoir was twelve percent in day one. Chiam Pao eleven percent. Lugia at the eight. And then in yeah. day two, Lost Box. Really good conversion yep. rate. And a lot of them. I, this has kind of been normal for day twos. Lost Box has become kind of like the highest percentage day two deck. I mean, that was the case in 
worlds, right? Um, I think it's. It, I think it just has to do with the most. There's the highest concentration of the the higher skill players are playing Lost Box. Yes, like yes. there's a correlation between people playing Lost Box and ha- being just better players in the Pokemon TCG. So I think it just. I think that's literally it. If the if all if you just gave that to any of the other solid decks in the format, you would see this the same higher conversion rate. I think. And then we saw Charizard at 12, dropping down a little bit. Gardevoir at 11, staying just about the same, right? Or yeah. down 1%, I guess. Champau down 1%. Maridon down pretty big yeah. at 8%. And then Lugia staying the same at 8 Yeah, Brent is right. Second best conversion rate today, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't really move. It's still the 6. At least of the top um, 6. Now, I know some of the other numbers from like behind the scenes that we talked about and looked at. So I think probably the best actual conversion rate was Rapid Strike Urshifu. It went from yeah. 3.4% like, day one to 7.7 in day two. Like, that's a, you know, pretty big jump. Yeah, it's feeding off the Maridons and the the Lost Boxes and all that stuff. Yeah, it's definitely, like, it's definitely, was like, it seemed, it felt like a decent metaphor, the Rapid Strike deck. Some of them were playing the Spiritomb, so if you did by accidentally bump into a Mew, um, most of the Mews were GTE Mews, so you had an, a pretty solid shot against those as well. And, um, you know, the Spirit Tomb is also, like, the Lugia matchup is tough for Rapid Strike. So you got the Spirit Tomb in there to give yourself a, sh- a little bit of a better shot there as well. But, yeah, uh, still no, not a great finish from the Urshifu. But, I mean, it's not that long. I mean, Urshifu won Barcelona not that long ago. So, like, it's had its moment. Um, my big question mark on that for that deck still is, like, I don't know how the Charizard matchup goes, to be honest. Seems like it should be favorable overall, but yeah, I'm not super confident in one way or over. I guess yeah, you could Victor- look at... It looks like Victor yeah. beat three, tied one, tied one, and Alex Kreckler beat one, and he only played one. Yeah, so not a great, not a huge sample size. And my yeah. guess would be that it is favorable for Rapid Strike because they have so much control over when they draw their prize cards and how many they want to draw um, overall, how quickly they want to draw them. So they're not really like giving the Charizard player the one hit KOs as soon as the Charizard player would like, and they can kind of still draw their ti- their prize cards at a timely rate. So. A little bit more control over the the prize trade when Charizard gets to do big Charizard things. So rough day two for Mister Kreckler. Pour one out here. Nine <laughs> oh yeah. day one. One three two day two. It hit That's the tough. lugs. They're the lugs right there. You yeah. know, got the tie against Ryan and then lug lost the. The Tina loss as well. The Tina's like I think that's a close matchup. I'm actually not sure how that one actually plays out to be honest either. But then another lug. Uh, to Dorian. Alex lost to Pram on the winning into worlds play in this matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Shemansky, not not correctly. For anyone who's listening, doesn't No. Oh, it was Alex Shemansky. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. Yeah, was doing, yes. yeah, yeah. Crickler was doing decent at Worlds, but then he hit you, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately for Crackler, fortunately for Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, so let's take a look at the day one. But I guess because we, we're going to talk about Lil a little bit, we can look at some of the list specifics in a second here. But wh- while we have this pulled up, what do you think changes from this going into Lil? Like just deck to deck, Lost Box, what are you thinking? Probably about the same. And if it's any different, it's probably just a little lower, honestly. Maybe people definitely are not going up. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't think w- anything. I don't think we're in a meta where something's going to be over 15%. Like I wouldn't be surprised if something was 15%. Yeah, maybe 16, right? Like 15, 16, 15, 14. Like that's all like kind of the same, pretty close. But like we're not in a 20% meta share deck. Uh, yeah. How meta. separate do you think the European meta is from the North American meta? Do you, how much of a separation do you think there is? It's not, not much, too much, right? Definitely a little bit, but like definitely not as much as maybe there once was, 
right? We're just in like kind of this new age information sharing, hyper yeah. refinement of lists online and stuff like that, right? Yeah, but you um, could definitely look at it and be like, I guess like theoretically for the European event this week, maybe it'd more closely follow the trends of um, Peoria into Sacramento, except for them, it's like Peoria into their tournament. So it'll more closely look like this than maybe our development for Toronto. Yeah, right? sure. Yeah. yeah, I would expect Lugia. I mean, Lugia's got to be the hype deck right now. I think that'll maybe deter some people from doing the lost box. Yeah. Um, and maybe putting the Sinnoh in the guard war. Or to be honest, though, I'm pulling for the fellow Lugia enjoyers out there because I've been a huge colorless Lugia stand for a while now. It was really cool. Even though I got beat by Alexander, it was really cool to see the deck do well because, like, for me, I've been second-guessing, like, my personal take on stuff uh this season so far but i'm like no colorless lugia just feels good but then i'm like no one's playing it it's not doing well at peoria is the deck just bad why do i think it's so good but then seeing it do well is like definitely reassuring for me that like my thought process of the game is still in line with where i feel like i am as a competitor um so to be honest i'm pulling for the colorless lugia stands again this week and i hope all the guardies leave their temple of in the binder <laughs> and so we can let the lugia fly once again and get these free dubs against these against these guardies guardian temple players. definitely bench- does Temple Don't definitely does. Second, Lugia. Don't bench Temple... second Lugia. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. Temple definitely <laughs> does do less though against the colorless Lugia. It's still good. A little bit less. You still get to turn off gift energy, right? But like their energies still count for something, which sometimes if you know all they need is Drapion and Boss, sure they don't get gift energy to dig for it, but Maybe they have Luminion to dig for it, right? I, can, I already KO'd one of their Archeops. They're not setting up the Drapion anymore. This, oh, right. That thing's cooked. Yeah, of I course. Forgot everything <laughs> goes perfectly every time. <laughs> no, but yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, Lost Box will definitely have to come down, I think, for sure. Um, I I can't imagine Zard is staying at the 14%. Like, it's had such bad showings back-to-back weeks. Or are we missing something? And it's like, maybe the European players have that broken Zard. Maybe there's another broken Zard list out there. <laughs> We've the seen Brazil Zard. Are we going to see EU Zard next? Yeah. North American doesn't have a Zard deck. We're not, <laughs> we're not creative We did kind of see EU Zard at Barcelona, right? With the guy that got top the four. Zone, yeah. The Lost Zone stuff. Yeah, they already had their moment. Um, <laughs> I was not a big of a fan of the Lost Zone stuff as the Arvin stuff, to be honest. Uh, one right deck that on... I think... This, I feel like this isn't a European deck, you know? Like, I feel like there is a deck. Sometimes it's just, like, not a European deck. And I think Maridon is probably that deck. It just doesn't have that EU vibe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't feel yeah. European. <laughs> not British, not part of the European Union. Like, <laughs> Maridon's definitely an American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maridon, I could see being, like, falling pretty heavily and being, like, an 8% deck overall. I could definitely see that. I don't know though. Maybe it'll be pretty similar. Guardvor, I think, is definitely a European deck. I think we'll see. I could that see it still. being more. Yeah, I could see it being it, the most popular deck. Yeah. And looking into day two, like I think Guardvor could be a higher conversion rate deck as well. Yeah, that would be my prediction. Some very, uh, very good <clears throat> Guardvor enjoyers over in Europe. Um, yeah. Talk about last one. I guess here is like we expect Lugia to go up, Guardvor to maybe go up, be the most popular, Maridon to come down, Charger to come down a little bit, Lost Box to come down a little bit, Chi and Pao. Do you think that'll even stay on the top six here? Or what would take players, its place? I guess Mew the, or Urshifu. Like, what? What do yeah. you think takes its place? Well, do the Mew players take advantage of the lack of Spiritomb and Drapion that the Europeans don't like to play? Like, is that <laughs> we're gonna have this discussion again? 
is it, is it coming in droves? Just berating all of Europe for leaving their Drapions <laughs> at home and letting Mew win every single tournament. Hey, well, Benji was in my chat earlier. We were talking about it. We're like, hey, Mew seems like a pretty good play. It's a European event. Mew's pretty good. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mew's still in the format. It's a European event. Okay, both boxes are checked. We're running Mew. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, and Mew, you know, I mean, besides the Zard, which you ought to lose to, you can beat everything else. You probably have an unfavorable to most Lost Box decks, especially like Kyogre is pretty bad, but you can I beat the, the other turbos, ones. I think the Turbo you're fine against, but like with the way builds are currently, people are cutting Drapion, so like, um, it's kind of yeah. a lot better for the Mew. Uh, and Pao actually, though, like, speaking of Chi and Pao's like steadily gained steam, this, this, uh, this format, right? It like has. A, it was 8% in... Peoria, I want to say, from like a 5% in that's Pittsburgh. Right. Yep, that's right. Very slowly, steadily gaining steam. Um, so I would, I, I don't know, It's but once again, like it does feel like there's sometimes decks that Europeans just don't play or Americans play more of, whatever way you want to look at it. I don't know if Chi and Pao is also maybe one of those. So I feel like Chi and Pao will be probably a little bit lower and little as well. Maybe yeah. not even, maybe it won't be in the top six, but I don't know yet, but like, like you said, what takes its place, I guess would be an interesting question. You, come back yeah lost tina are they are lost it tina? could be, yeah lost tina is probably the most realistic thing that would yeah. pop back up on the meta share chart and i could also see that too honestly like you did kind of rightfully forget about it but yeah it would be the one enough people really trying to have an early lunch break uh, oh my gosh <laughs> roll up with their lost tinas um all right, well, yeah. Well, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Lil in a little bit, but let's take a look at some of the lists. Let's take, take a look at some of the lists that... Yeah. Starting, I guess we start with the first place list, right? Yeah, let's start with Sacramento. Alexander's list. Nothing, like, super crazy here. Did have the Luxray and the Reversal Energy, which are kind of techs that yeah. people have known existed. And it feels like you either play Luxray and Reversal or you play Zard and Luminous. Well, you'd think that, but the best list in... The best call is Lugia list in top eight, in my opinion, was Dorian's, because not only did it have the Luxray and the Radiant Zard, uh, but it also had four Great Ball, which I'm personally a big fan of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you play both. I think Charizard is better than the third Snorlax, actually. Oh, three, two Lugia in this list, though? <laughs> that's a little crazy, man. There's four Great Ball, though. You get Well, that's a lot oh, more Pokemon search than average. that makes it so much better. <laughs> no, this is like... um. Very similar to what I was, it's very similar to the list that I was working on pre uh, Sacramento. And it just feels, it just flowed. I don't know. The Great Balls, I feel like when you get the four of them in there, not it, man. you're hitting the chops, you're hitting the Luminians, everything's going so much smoother. Uh, yeah, the only thing I didn't like about Alexander's list was the lack of the Radiant Zard. I'm a big Radiant Zard fan. I do like the Radiant Zard too. Um, especially for the Maridon matchup. I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't dislike three Snorlax, but I think the, the Radiant Zard is like a little bit better than the third Snorlax. And then if you want to put the third Snorlax on top of that, like we see here with Dorian's list, then I think that's like fine as well. But I'm a big Radiant, Radiant Zard state. I think the Luxury was a good call to continue or to be playing the Luxury this tournament made sense because I mean, Charizard ended up still being really popular. It's really good in the Charizard matchup, get that Pidgeot one hit KO. Uh, it's really good in mirror match as well. So um, you hit the other Lugias that are doing well. Eventually, we saw qu quite a few Lugia colors, Lugia mirrors going on, and the Luxray was an impact in some of them. So yeah, definitely. You know, Luxray is uh, definitely really good in that Lugia mirror match. Uh, Alexander did play the Weird Deer, not something that every Lugia player has. Dorian did not have it in their list. Um, but I. I and and you haven't been as big of a fan of the weird year. I know you have said as well that you're kind of coming around yeah. to it a little bit, but it's I, I really do like the weird year, and I think it's kind of necessary to include. I think it's good in mirror match for sure. I think like I mean I think I it's know, good against any of the V stars. 
Yeah, it's good against yeah. So mirror match, we saw yeah. Ale- Alexander used it very efficiently against um, Nicolo uh, in the finals, and <laughs> Charlie should have used it to more efficiency in the top eight match against Nicolo as well. But definitely made a couple mistakes there that did not lead to the weird deer being as effective as it could have. So like specifically, yeah, hitting that matchup actually like it's pretty good in that matchup for sure. Um, I think it does have a, it does have some potential value in the mirror. Although it's not like a consistent factor. It's also like um, a way you can, you know, if you drappy on one Mew VMAX, you can weird ear the next one, right? Yeah. Definitely could help in the Mew matchup for sure. Um, I guess the most interesting list is definitely Dominic's list, right? I just pulled that up. I actually hadn't looked. I thought I had looked at this list earlier, but I hadn't looked at this one yet. The Ditto, the Squawkabilly. The, that's probably the two most standout things, right? Ditto and Squawkabilly, yeah. Yeah, the Ditto is kind of interesting. I don't know... The Why possibility you of being Ditto over a fourth Lugia V? Because you might want to have a one pressure on your active. I think that's what it is. Like you have a chance, yeah. but like, what is the chance you open the Ditto? It it definitely not very high. Feels not that good. Like is I it, think it is it better than the fourth Lugia V though. It probably is, right? I would imagine. Yeah, so. but is it better than the third Snorlax? Maybe not. That would be the question, right? Yeah, but it does have the Radiant Sergeant here? Like I said, I'd love to see that before the third Lax every time. Relax on top of the Zard is not a bad, bad thing to have either. But yeah, that's the Ditto. It was actually, sure. it was actually pretty funny. I just want to mention this real quick. Dominic played Sawyer Melbourne in top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, in their game, the, their games were ridiculous because they were both like just joking around with each other the whole time. Like, like definitely not treating it like a high pressure, you know, big money on the line type situation. Which you know is fine. You know, you like to see people enjoying it and having fun but <laughs> dominic um started i don't remember exactly what happened it was like dominic had a lugia just one lugia v on the bench sawyer ko'd it right yeah and then dominic had all three v star in it, his hand and a research <laughs> <laughs> and no out to lugia v so dominic played research Dominic hits Luxray. Dominic gets the reversal energy. Dominic somehow put themselves in a like realistic winning position in the game. And it took Holy moly. Luxray uh, and Zard, the carries. Yeah, it was literally like Luxray Zard manually power up a Snorlax. Like (laughs) (laughs) scrap the squad together. It was so scrappy. And uh like I said, they were both like joking around, having fun with it. Uh, but you could definitely see a point where Sawyer's demeanor kind of changed <laughs> in that second game when he was like, uh, it was like he got, was it two prizes or he went to one prize, I think it was. And Dominic did still have four, but I owned to one. And Dominic had like Snorlax on the bench with an energy, Luxray in the active, still had access to Radiant Zard. I don't think had it yet, but like, um, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter as much when you only have one prize left, but. Um, Sawyer like only had one come face sent it up flower selecting and was like, I think he, and he verbally said, can I lose this? (laughs) (laughs) Benches a come passes. And then Dominic almost wins, but Sawyer ends up finding like a chorus off the come the next turn to like hit everything to, to take the last prize. But it was, it would have been one of the most outrageous stories I've ever seen uh, winning a game two after your Lugia gets KO'd on turn one. Yeah, with no other Lugia backup getting rid of the three. Yeah, stars. yeah. It's definitely pretty funny for sure. 
Yeah, so that was definitely the most interesting build of the, the Lugias. Kerr chose to not rock the uh the Luxray actually. It was the only one without the Luxray, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Um so Kerr no Luxray did have the weird deer. Um I guess another interesting count is like the boss's orders count. We saw Dorian and Kerr with the four boss's orders. And the four then, is cool. Yeah, I'm a been a fan. Dominic with the three and, and Alexander with the three uh as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot, if you're like a, you're a colorless Lugia enjoyer, you want to pick up some colorless Lugia and start trying it out. There's a lot of lists to take a look at and try out for sure. Try out the different things. You know, they're all there for you to take a look at. Um, the rest of the, I guess like the second most interesting or the most interesting deck in top eight though, was yeah. definitely the second place, the finalists. Um, yeah. With the Arceus Gyarados VMAX. It's not the first time though, that there's been Gyarados VMAX <laughs> in a top eight of a regional. It's, this is like this is actually a good time to use that quote that I see people ways, use way too many often, way too often, where it's like, um, it's not uh, impossible, but it's it's funny it happened twice or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, is that yeah. the one? Yeah, people use that way too often for way too many things that are not that uh, that are not that big of a surprise that they happen twice. But this one was actually kind of a crazy one. Two or not two? The second time Gyarados Vmax we've seen make it was it Vancouver was the first time from Drew. Yeah, uh, Drew Bennett getting got top four with it. Someone else yeah. got cut with it at that tournament, I think. Right? Or am I tripping? I, I hope you're tripping. tripping. They're lucky I didn't roll up to. No, nah, dude, Google, look at this. Bro. Look at this. Arceus Gyarados lists. It got second place. Oh yeah, someone got someone got second with it at Lil before Drew got top four with it. What really? I didn't even remember that happening. Kai Von Win. I don't even remember this happening. Yep. At all, to be honest. This Here is back before is. European events were relevant. I guess that's why I don't remember it. <laughs> brother <laughs> you said it not me azul does not speak <laughs> for the entirety joking? of the uncommon energy podcast <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah this is yeah so i think like the big story out of top eight is definitely the four lugias like lugia dominating 50 yep. percent cut but the most interesting thing in top eight is this deck for sure and yeah. i mean at its core it's just like an arceus path deck right mm. gyarados and slacking are just kind of here to you know support the crew uh yeah. and i think i saw on twitter nicolo even made a post saying like yeah gyarados like maybe could be better just like as a vulpix line <laughs> yeah instead of gyarados too. but um but slacking the gyarados I mean, is good it's like stuff has answers to vulpix right yeah. gyarados is just hitting hard yep so it's I think like, that's what it was doing in the the other build that we saw like drew and mm -hmm. i forget the name of the other player you mentioned but it was just hitting hard yeah that's what kind of goes there. It's got a lot of HP. It's weak to lightning, but when you play up against anything that has a lightning attacker, you just don't put it in play, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it hits hard. And I think one of the strategies um, they said that they were using was against Charizard specifically. The reason it was good against Charizard is because you yeah. judge them or I own them, and then you use the first attack hyper beam to try and buy a turn. Slow them down, do 120 damage, discard an energy from their active Pokemon. The Charizard deck doesn't play a ton of energy, and a lot of them are going into play really aggressively through the ability on Charizard. So yep. You hit them with the judge, Put the path in place so they can't use another Charizard, and it's possible they whiff that attack on the next turn. You'll shut down the Pidgeot, shut down the possibility of another Charizard accelerating energy to play. It definitely sounds like it could be played around though, just by putting a third energy on your That's Charizard. That's what I was literally just about to say. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think anyone was hip to the strategy to apply as a Charizard player against Arceus Gyarados VMAX. So can't really blame anyone for getting bodied by the Gyarados VMAX. 
Yeah, and uh, Nikola did end up getting second. Of course, uh, this deck is supported by the Beaverell. Does have the Radiant Greninja in here just for a little extra draw power. The the Greninja is probably the most like out of place card to me. I feel like in this deck, like sure you get a little bit of extra dig, but you really want path and play from turn yeah. two onward with this deck, and sometimes like turn one into turn two, right? So could help um, with the the potential of the Melanie like a little bit, right? Like if you don't get the sure. Ultra Ball. Could get there. A little bit of extra draw power. Um, I think I saw a tweet from Nicolo as well saying that, like, had played the Poppy in this before. Didn't include it in this build, though, going into this regional, I believe. Uh, but it was something that was on Nicolo's radar to potentially include, but didn't feel like it was worth it. And that, and this has been, like, a combo that's been in Arceus decks. Not a lot, obviously, because, like, no one really knows about Arceus decks right now. But this is, like, a Poppy plus Radiant Greninja is something that people have been playing. Um, you know, since like the beginning of this format, basically. Uh, not that it's like a super mainstream popular thing. Obviously, it's like the first time Arceus done as well, uh, has done well, like this whole format, I believe. Besides like Arceus Charizard did okay, but that's not really an Arceus deck, I feel like. Um, so yeah, the popularity you just move two energy from one of your Pokemon to another of your Pokemon. So you use Arceus, you accelerate three energy to one of your V Pokemon, and then you hard retreat the double turbo or switch into the Greninja, attach the Greninja, poppy the energy over, and then use Radiant Greninja to Moonlight Troop in a couple of or something, or Ralts or Curlias, whatever it might be. Yeah, because um, who's going to bench their Manaphy's uh, <laughs> against an Arceus deck, right? Yeah, it's Not definitely a cool people. play, and I could see, uh, you know, it's probably worth including for the style points alone, right? Yeah, one thing I was trying to figure out, like the Ventral Punch in here, it's good against Guardi. Some weird situations can come up where it's good. What is the Defiance Band specifically for? What is that responding to? Um, what is that? Where are you getting? 270, 260, 290 with the slacking. Yeah. Against, but it's, it will be against like EXs and like non. Yeah. That one I couldn't quite Yeah, I don't know. Against. I don't know. It feels like Choice Belt fills the role for any damage buffs you'd need. What EXs are in the format though? Gardevoir, uh, Maridon. Oh, what about slacking the KO Pidgeot? Does allow slacking to KO Pidgeot. Yeah, and maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that <laughs> that's is something. It. You can set up those plays, of course, with Starbirth. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Gar um, I guess Guardvar could help. And this is like a deck war. too where you can theoretically save Starbirth. You don't usually want to though, because oh, you want to be putting path to. in play, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes uh, if your opponent's not bumping, you also play the vacuum yourself. But if no one's if they're not in a lot of matchups, if they're not bumping your path, you're winning. So if they bump your path, you just get to use Starbirth. But if they're not, then yeah. you're winning anyways. So, like, if you get, like, a turn three Starbirth, you can set up some cool things with, like, Boss's Orders slacking, probably. Boss's Orders Gyarados mm -hmm. somewhere along the way. But, yeah, this is definitely the most unique deck in cut. There was also, while we're talking just about Arceus decks, Braden Elfert ended up getting ninth place with an Arceus Duraludon deck. Braden, I think, yeah. in Peoria played Arceus Vulpix. So, uh, you know, Braden has been an Arceus enjoyer for a while. He won a regionals in 2022 with Arceus Duraludon. Um, yeah. this is a pretty interesting list. Had the Bibril Squovit engine, had the Radiant Alakazam, and also had Mawile, but not just one, two <laughs> Mawile Azul. You gotta have the two Mawile, like it would be the deck would be incomplete without the second Mawile for sure. Um, yeah, trying to do some shenanigans up against uh Lugia decks, guard even has the Echoing Horn in there to not only do like some you know, put your Luminian back in play type plays, but probably also to abuse Mawile, I would assume, more so than anything. Um, you can also do cheesy stuff, honestly, against Maridon, where you like bring up one of their Pokemon that doesn't have any energy on it. Because Maridon plays a couple switch cards, but not like a whole ton. Yeah. And you like Mawile trap it for a turn. 
and then you go into Arceus, and then you Arceus KO it. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's because the Maridon's pretty tough if you don't like turn one path cheese him, to be honest. So for Arceus, I saw packs. Brayden put on Twitter the reason for the Mawile, and it's against Charizard specifically. So, like, if, um... if they use or start their Mew, they have one escape rope. So they can escape rope, get out of the Mawile, and then KO the Mawile. And then you hit them with the second Mawile. Yeah. Yes. And then what? And then, and then what then if they you don't open Mew? And if they don't, if they don't open Mew? Well, who would expect the second Mawile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worry, our Mew is safe. There's no way they have two Mawiles. <laughs> There's even a Super Rod in there. Third Mawile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brady goes up against the player the player playing two Switch cards. Or they, they still have the, the what's it called? Penny in the list. They still have the Penny Escape Rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, all right, cool. Third Mawile. <laughs> nice try, Charizard. But to be honest, uh, if you're not taking prize cards, it's not like you're, any of your stuff's getting KO'd too aggressively. They can only take like one prize knockouts. So right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're just not going to draw prize cards, I assume, in that matchup, and you just go for the Mawile cheese, and then, and then no like, school bet against Lugia. You just gotta set Duralit on up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just get Duralit set up, and you, and you if just you win do the that, game. you win. The Guardian matchup is tough as well, so I'm sure the Mawile is a pretty big help in that one. But you do have Path, you have Path, my Iono. Only three Path though, which is actually interesting to see because that's like the core 20, of the deck. That's like 25% la- less Path than you could be having, which doesn't sound correct. I feel like you the Alakazam is kind of interesting. You know, Arceus Hopefully isn't Guardian. one hit KOing. You know, any big guys, but it's also not. It's over two over. hit KOing them, so yeah. it can just let you save some damage in play. Um, I can't think of any other specific the... reason to play the Alakazam. Gotta be for Guardi. Like it's gotta be the main value you're gaining, I would assume. Yeah, or you're like if else. uh lost box attacks with Dragonite, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe for the lost box matchup as well. Because yeah, you don't you don't have like that great of a lost box matchup. I guess the two Charons cares. So you're probably fine against Lost Box. Yeah. Um but then even against I was gonna do one I was gonna say one more thing about Lost. Oh, against even Maridon, to be honest. Like you don't want to KO the Maridons. You can move some damage off to a KO and then move the damage to the next Pokemon. So it probably is a little bit helpful against some Rhino matchup. You do have the Duraludon, on, of course. I can want it KO. But when they get mm-hmm. the Bravery Charms and stuff, that sounds annoying. I don't know. Ooh, but you could Mawile. If they attack with a Maridon, you could Mawile it. <laughs> so they can't retreat to a new attacker. And, and then you Arceus it. Yeah. So I'm saying, man. Dude, Easy matchup. The, the plays with this deck are absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, and then we did have two Lost Box decks in top eight. Two Kyogre decks yourself. We already talked about your deck this weekend. Of course, played the um, Raymond Long, you know, Kyogre, Zamazenta, Pidgeot V build. And then Sawyer cool played deck. the... Um, prize. Two, yeah. two Prize Ogre. Same list that he got uh, day two in Peoria with, and probably just a card or two different than the top 16 list he had from pittsburgh i would imagine yeah yeah so i mean yeah there's nothing to there's nothing the only thing that stood out to me was there's only one recycler but there is four super rods so like yeah, yeah. you can still make it work with rods and fuse a recycler but besides that it is just kind of like the two prize ogre nothing nothing too wild and the last yeah it was the guardy right it's the last list we have to take a look at here the guardy from ryan um and this one was interesting this is kind of like a almost like a mix of like like if we have to like call out two lists that I've seen before, it's, it's kind of similar to like the Brent Tonneson list, but then has like some other stuff from like Brent Tonneson's list from Peoria. Um, but then you see the vacuum in here over like the second worker. So 
third boss, which I'm personally a big fan of, like the three boss. Like, I, I don't understand how the Australians can only play two boss. Sometimes you want to boss a third time. Like, how are you supposed to do that if you don't play three? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then went with the spear tomb. This is like the one listen top eight that did have the spear tomb. But in my first seven rounds of the tournament, I believe I played against five decks that had spear tomb in it. That's um, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they were out there, man. They were. I bet you're glad that you guys didn't end up on you, huh? <laughs> yeah, but definitely, definitely, definitely for the best. For the best for sure that we didn't end up on Mew. We did talk about it for a little bit. The idea of playing Mew is always cool, especially like the grabber luxury build, the handlock, handlock Mew is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, nothing too crazy with the Guardian list either, right? Just like, I guess like the big different difference between the Guardian builds is just like, is it just like Palpad versus no Palpad? I feel like that's it. Like you either play the Palpad or you don't play the Palpad. I'm a fan of Palpad. I guess four seals on no four seals on this as well. This is the what stood out to me as well as like when I draw the draw drew the parallel to like the uh, the Brent list was the no four seal stone at all. Yeah, I don't know third boss, but usually you're palpading back in boss, so I kind of right. get the idea of just. But do like you not want the boss. flexibility of being able to palpad in an Iona if you need it, or it's two definitely boss. less relevant. Definitely less relevant when you don't play the research as well. I guess if you're not doing the research. Yeah, nothing too wild here in the Guardian build either. Besides the Spirit Tomb, I guess like it's like the standout. The standout card was the Spirit Tomb for sure, but yeah, good old Guardian. Sure. Any other uh, day two lists you want to talk about? You know, we've got a couple of lost boxes in top sixteen. We got a Maridon Grand Chin with the Chien Pao once again. Victor on the Urshifu. Let's look at the Urshifu, I guess. His and Crackler's list. So he did have the Squawkabilly in here. Yeah, so I think both Thornton of them as well. Yeah, both of their lists are pretty close to the ninth ninth place list from Barcelona. So I think mm -hmm. that's who we can reference as the, the kind of driving force behind this more aggressive build. Um, no Iridas, I believe, but they have the... Oh, actually, no, I think maybe Crackler did play the Iridas still. Oh, so the, yeah, the Victor Two. build is closer to the Barcelona list. But no, the Crackler's build is very similar to what Crackler played at Worlds, actually, I think. Yeah. Had the Spirit Tomb, doesn't have the Squawkabilly. Yeah, yeah. No Thornton or anything like that. Yeah. But Victor's playing the more aggressive build. More researches, more battle VIP passes. The Thornton. Um, yeah, I don't think too crazy in these ones either, to be honest. Did uh, Everyone keeps playing the Echoing Horn, but I literally I don't think I've ever used that card whenever I played the deck. What are we horning? What are we putting on their bench? The Ralts. The thing is, it's like so easy to grab, so it kind of makes you want to play because you can literally artillery yeah. for it. Yeah, I think I've I've never used the card whenever I played Rapid Strike. <laughs> it's always just sat in the deck. <clears throat> there were definitely a handful of kind of cool decks in day two. I think one of the big standouts to me was Brandon Jones with the Hisuian Zorg V Star. <laughs> what did you think of this deck? Um, it was actually it's it's interesting. I meant to actually give it a shot and try it out. Um sooner because actually uh <laughs> jesse parker sent me a list that looks very similar to this the four clef keys you hit and run with the zorark for a little bit um to get ahead against lost box uh, and stuff like that it was definitely yeah so I, I had seen something similar to this before it was intriguing Did the gloves actually the gloves let you actually want to KO a charizard right if you have two basic psychic on your zorark wait what okay, you oh, do 310 with a double turbo energy so you need two basic psychic energy are you doing Wait, the actually math? yeah oh, well we have alakazam though so we can move a little bit of early damage oh around, I sure guess, right? sure alakazam can help you that is i true. guess yeah i was like that's you're never beating charizard i still don't know if you are beating charizard to be honest but uh <laughs> no it's kind of cool azuyan zork never really had its moment to be honest i feel like the meta was always too diverse for it 
Uh, it was waiting for the to be the ultimate beat stick deck, but the meta never really came around for us against Zark. But it's cool to see it still make a day two here and there. Am I? Am I? I don't think I'm tripping. Is there a Reggie's in day two? Yes. Yep. Uh, don't worry. Already have it pulled up. <laughs> I literally had to do a double take when I walked past. Um, I don't know. I don't know the name of the person who played this, but I literally walked past them playing it, and then I like stopped and I went, oh, took a couple steps back and looked again. I was like, "Yep, that's Reggie's." <laughs> it sure was. Yeah, this was kind of cool. This was actually on the. Uh, <clears throat> this is why with the stream, I kind of wish we uh, could put like the decks in there somehow for like people to vote for the community choice because this was on the winning in. We knew about it, but on the winning I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not to top eight, not to top eight, to day two, to day two. Oh, how did you guys not put this on? Well, we had Jeremy versus Henry, which was, like, pretty good, too. I don't think Reggie's trumps. Sorry, Henry. I <laughs> but know see, it, was the champ, but... it wasn't our choice. It wasn't our choice. It was the community's choice. They picked that game, you know? But they, they only see the names, right, not the decks? That's true. And I think everyone, to be honest with that, I think everyone wants to see the decks, not the names, which I think is sure. fair. I, I want to know well, the matchups. Well, I don't know. that. It de I think it depends, right? I think people want to see Henry. I want to see Reggie's. <laughs> <laughs> Henry's you just have to hold Henry, you're gonna have to hold this L. You'll get your chance on the stream again. We want to see the Reggie's, all right? We'll uh, we'll we'll get you next time. The Reggie's are here though. Um no, that's that's fair. Like I would want to like I say that all the time. Like when I tune into a European stream, like when I'm not streaming it myself, if there's two players, I just don't recognize the names and I just kind of tune out, I'm not gonna lie. So but when there's that one known name, or if there's a cool deck, to be honest, if there is like a Reggie's, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around and see what's up. Yeah. Um and then yeah, one more, one more. This deck did get on stream in day one. Oh, actually, I guess we have two more to talk about. <laughs> Let's start with the one that I was about to talk about. They got on stream day one, and that is Block Snorlax. And that is oh. it. That is the deck. It is four Block Snorlax, the Mimikyu, Serena, Rotom, and the Crab. The Millum. So way better with here character. made day two, but I think he only showed up to like the first round. I think he had like a noon flight. <laughs> so he went to yeah. the first round of day two, lost the first round and then dropped. <laughs> Did not want to go through it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I don't blame him. The deck's not very good. I'm not gonna lie. Block Snorks is not it in the current meta. It's still a fun deck. It's insanely fun to just like play control decks. They play so differently than everything else. Uh, and, you know, getting to do with it is pretty sick, to be honest. And then we um, do have it'll a, be a tough climb for sure. We do got a good old Ting Lu deck in day two. Also, did not do very well. That's what you'd expect. To be honest, when I have played Ting Lu in the past, though, it feels like it could be there. I don't know what is. I mean, I think Jose was pretty close to day two in at NAIC with Ting Lu. Yeah, he lost the winning into double canceling Cologne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> double canceling Cologne back Scalibur. Genius. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, it, it does. It do, when it's not, it's not that in, the deck's pretty consistent overall. Like you get the turn one Karide on play pretty often. Um, start locking out their abilities, but yeah, then like as the game progresses, if they just literally get any attacker set up, it starts to fall apart. But it's close, it's definitely close. Yeah, if only your opponent like had a worse deck. <laughs> yeah, can you just like play a worse deck against me, please? <laughs> can you play Block Snorlax? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's cool always fun to those... just kind of look at the wacky stuff that makes day two because it, you know, it, it's it's a thing to show as well for people. Like, you don't have to play a tier one meta deck at a Pokemon tournament if you want to make top eight. You probably should play a tier one meta deck, right? But or unless you do have a broken wacky deck, like a yeah, wacky deck sure, isn't good enough. But you got the broken, the broken wacky. 
then yeah then we'll, then, we'll, then it could happen for sure but yeah um, it is still cool it's always cool to see like like the reggies like yeah right it was sick to see the reggies in in the day too ting lu made it which is cool as well um yeah it'd be it would be a really tough climb for any of those decks to push for like you know a top eight or anything like that but uh, it's always cool to see them still show up it shows they're still like uh I mean, even if, you know, some people might say it's a bad thing that bad decks do well, it's it's cool. To, it's, I, bad decks being able to, like, compete with top decks to an extent, I think, is something that should exist in the Pokemon TCG. Agreed. It's nice to get on ladder and, like, be able to beat top tier meta well, decks. Well, because usually, too, as the person playing the quote-unquote bad deck, you have to, like, play a lot better and work a lot harder to beat, like, the good deck, right? Yeah, exactly. So you get like a, super uh, rewarding a little bit more chance well. of skill expression. Um, but we did make some predictions before Sacramento, and we can uh, recap them now to see how we did. We had an over-under set at 250.5 on the championship points of the winner before their win. I took the over. Azul took the under, betting on himself, which kind of came close. He made top eight. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I actually don't know for sure, but I would imagine, you know, Alexander Flatos probably did not have over 250 points before the event because we had not seen him in either of the other regionals. Alexander could be a local grinder, though. Yeah, like, I'm going to see if know. I can... A local demon. I'm going to look up the leaderboard real quick because his point should be uploaded now, so we should see his name up there. Have they been yeah, uploading that fast? I have not yeah. checked like the leaderboards in so long. Yeah, they've been updating um, pretty fast, which is cool. I mean... Yeah. Also, it seems like they're like uh, paying out people faster as well. Um, in terms of like money payout, um, stuff I think people are already getting paid off for like Pittsburgh and Peoria, like that stuff used to sometimes takes months to actually happen. So it's cool to see that being happening more aggressively. It doesn't really make any sense why it wouldn't. It's just like just you're just sending someone money, like you have the money, right? Just send them the money, you know. Alexander um, Flatos has two hundred and six championship points right now. You get two hundred for winning, right? Yeah. So that means all he right. got like <laughs> he got like top eight at a challenge. Yeah. That's it. That's all I needed to hear. That's a dub for me on the under. <laughs> Let's go. And he has his world's invite. Congratulations, Alexander. Super dope. All right. Highest placing lost Tina. We were both pretty wrong on this one. I was technically a I little closer, but like I'm not gonna give myself any credit for this one. Because uh, you took the 128, I took the top 64, and the real answer was top 16. Top 16, pretty good showing for the Lost Tina. They had to have drawn so hot. It's an absurd. If they played any other deck, they would have won the tournament twice, I'm telling you. There's no way. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last prediction, we had highest placing non-meta chart deck. I picked Arceus Picks, which was pretty close. Yeah. A couple of Arceus... I was like Arceus different water type stuff. Pokemon, buddy. Uh, so I should have just said like Arceus stuff, like a, a stuff, because we had Brayden with the Duraludon, we had uh, Nicolo with the Gyarados Max. So I was talking about the Arce the picks as well, the Vulpix. Should have yeah, just talking the about it didn't good enough because we got Victorong with yeah. the Urshifu, and honestly, like. One of those guys definitely should have made top eight, bro. Victor. Yeah, that was actually kind of crazy. I literally thought I was going to get bodied. I was like, there's no way I can top eight this tournament because there's Victor and Kreckler up here playing. And then they just kept losing through day two. They both. Yeah, uh, like Victor cool. started 10, one and one, I think. And then like tied two, lost one to with top eight. It's crazy. Love to see it. Love to see it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, uh, yeah, that was all of our predictions. So for Lil this weekend, we kind of talked about MetaShare stuff, like what we think yeah. will or won't change. We haven't um, done this in a while. What would you play? Top two decks. What would you? We haven't I done was this in a while. literally just thinking the exact same thing. I was what would just you not thinking play? like Azul. What would you play if you were playing this weekend? <laughs> Top two meta decks you would not play. I would not way. play. Well, I would not play Maridon because okay. it doesn't beat anything. Let's put a goal behind it. Well, that's not. Well, it beats some things. Doesn't beat much. <laughs> <laughs> so Maridon's like, strength comes from the fact that it's uber consistent and it can disrupt your opponent and you like have past the peak so you disrupt through path and judge and all that stuff and you're yeah, super yeah. strong so like you win games in unfavorable matchups because you're not an unfavorable just, like, matchup powerful. though huh? that means it, it all that matters is your win percentage again the day and if you're winning yeah, games yeah. in that way that's like you, you don't like that because you feel like when your opponent sets up you're not winning that's what you should say but that doesn't mean it has an unfavorable matchup against that deck. That makes sense? Sure. Yeah. The only thing that matters is win percentage. So if you're winning 50% of the time, even if you're cheesing them, if it feels like you're cheesing them 50% of the time, that's mm -hmm. still a 50% win rate. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm just saying where the... where What I'm saying is like where Maradon picks up its win rate is from those... Cheesing. like That's how it yeah. gets there. Yeah. Which doesn't feel good. I also think Maradon generally... I think in the like current to do meta, well with Marat like and also like I think it does find it capitalizing off of like uh mistakes from your opponent as well because it's pretty straightforward pretty aggressive yeah. like yeah I also one of my one of my problems with Maridon now that we're talking about Maridon is that like I feel like the, the decks that the best players choose to play generally beat Maridon pretty heavily so that's why I'm not a big fan the lost boxes the guardies stuff like that yeah um, it's like gonna be hard for Maridon to win an event because once it gets to really top eight hard. it's gonna hit the Lost Box usually. or the Guardi, like <laughs> Fusion Mew. Right, so what's the second deck you would not play? Out of like the top, you know, eight meta, like actual meta decks, so, like not Arceus decks or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely Maradon, like I said. Maybe Gardevoir, just because of the time stuff, the tying. Um, Even Chitord? A little bit less experience with it, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, what I, about I, you? You're kind of convinced me on the Maradon. Well, Lost Tina for sure. Well, it's not a six meta share deck though. Top oh, six. We're out of this top six, you want to do? Yeah. yeah oh, okay, out okay, of the okay. Top six. Ooh, okay. I like that more than that's just a good idea. So what were? Hey, let me pull this up on my. We got Lost Box, Charizard, yeah, yeah. Maridon, Guardi, Chiampao, Lugia. Ooh, okay then. Like I would be pretty happy if I ended up playing a Lost Box deck, a Charizard deck, Chiampao, or Lugia. To be honest, for I think I'm with you. Then I wouldn't want to play Maridon or Gardevoir out of those six either. Like, I'm with you. If I'm not gonna, if I'm yeah, if we're picking so two decks. So you've out of called the Gardevoir six. the tier S deck of this format for a while now. Has your opinion on that changed? Yeah, I th I think based on the format, best out of 350 minutes, it's mm -hmm. not. It is still the tier S deck. Like in terms of, it is the most powerful deck. It does have the best matchup spread. Tournament rules. Um, specifically into Lil, though. I don't know. Maybe I would give it the best deck. I don't know. Maybe not. The, the Colorless Lugia deck is just kind of fine against Gardevoir. And no one's going to include the Sinnoh. But like I said, I'd be talking about if I would include the Sinnoh. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess I'm not feeling Gardevoir anymore. I think it is an A-tier deck alongside some other decks now. We have no S-tier in the format anymore. That's my, my take. Yeah, I don't think Gard Gardevoir is just... Like, if you could sit down and play three games against people, Gardevoir would be the S-tier deck. But because of that... And because of the Colos Lugia matchup being pretty fine for Colos Lugia, I would probably say it's it's another A tier deck alongside some of the rest now. But I think I would agree with you. Those would be the two I wouldn't want to play. Ch Chiampao is pretty sick. Colos Lugia is pretty sick. Charizard's cool. 
Um, it's missing. It's uh, it's missing. Oh, I, I mean, I guess it had its finish at uh, uh, the Latin American event, but it's missing a, a finish after that. After it got really popular, and then yeah, I mean, I be I wouldn't want to play Lost Box this weekend to be honest. So I'm gonna go Lost Box and Guardi. Actually, I'd rather play Maradon over both those. I think. Yeah, I'm not, right, I let's play, do I, some. I wouldn't want to play Lost Box. Let's let's do some predictions for Lil this weekend. So. Uh, the first one we have is, will a non-European make top eight? Lots of countries in Europe, but lots of countries outside of Europe. We're going to see a Brazilian up there, Australian, American getting over I'm there. I'm sure some Americans are going. I'm, I know Brent Tonneson's going. Um, I don't know if anyone from Latin America is going. But you know what? I'm going to go with yes. Someone's going to go into Europe, steal some championship points, Take their pounds and dip. No shots, I say. <laughs> it ain't happening. There's just not you enough of them. Friend. And you there might have been more. There might have been more, but they couldn't register for the tournament because it can't. That's true. I would have had a better chance, maybe. Uh, next one. Let's do the highest placing Arceus deck. Just got second. Yeah. Ninth place from Brayden. Yep. There's a yes. million ways to play it. Arceus is in a decent as decent of a spot right now as it has been in i think it's got a not great maradon matchup for the most part um it has a not great lost tina matchup but that's down in play it probably doesn't be all three to play matchup mew is pretty down in play as well so Mm -hmm. those things being considered it's probably the best time to play an arceus deck maybe sacramento was the best time to play an arceus deck it might be a little worse um, what do you think would change? Like, what do you think is the did anything really shift? Maybe if Lost Tina is like a little more, like just because we said Lost Tina could be more popular over there. Yeah, Lost Boxes were really popular as well. Yeah, right? and those were. I think I just generally. I think you, Arce- you like, are Arce- okay against Lost Boxes. Like most of the Arceus decks had like yeah, yeah. care type things and stuff. No, right? exactly. So, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, I mean, Lost I think Tina... it is. I would probably go something more similar to Braden's deck. Probably actually a cross between Braden and Nicolo's deck. Um, like I don't know if I'm doing the double ma wild cheese, but I think I'm taking some free wins against Lugies <laughs> with the Raladon, you know? Yeah, the the Raladon seems pretty nice. There's gonna be a little bit of hype behind the Lugia. Do, do you think do you think Lugia should adjust for that though? Actually, now that we're kind of like, do you sh- like what would you even do? Can, what can colorless Lugia do? Path, path, bring the paths back. We've seen that before. Yeah, you can list copy that the shred attack as one worlds with in seniors. Yeah, exactly. Mew can copy the Raladon to shred it once. So you only need one path plus the Mew, double Mew. Double path. Double path. Double mew. Double mew. <laughs> More mutes. Basic <laughs> fire energy for your radiant Charizard. All right, now we're cooking. Okay, we're getting somewhere. We're I'm going to go with a top 16 finish. Oof. That seems pretty solid. I think there probably will be one in top 16. But I'm going to need a little bit more from them. I'm going with the top eight. To be honest, I have no. I was like trying to think of a European player who plays Arceus decks that I know, and there's like none of them. So I was about to be like, I'm believing, yo, know, Brent Tonneson, come through, put the Guardy down, pick Not up an happening. Arceus deck, <laughs> get the the two for one, the Australian non-European Australian player playing an Arceus deck to top eight. You really don't see even like top players that often changing decks between tournaments. Yeah, not really. No. It does. It it's happens, right? I mean, like you do that a decent bit. Like we'll change decks within a format, but um, like Tord, he stuck with Gardevoir since EUIC. Really, Brent mm-hmm. stuck with Gardevoir since NAIC. Um, you know, you just don't really see it quite as often. People like kind of find what they're comfortable with and stick with it. 
Lost Box yeah. players stick with the Lost Box, right? Yeah, and I, th- and I, I mean, think that's it's... kind of a merit of the format. Like a lot of stuff is just good. Good, exactly. Yeah, it's hard to justify fair. wanting to put something down if it's like been good for you, right? Yeah, how's it going to be any better than the next good deck? You know, um, if you ever can find like a loophole in a meta, you definitely want to take advantage of it, or not a loophole, but a a gap in the meta to like take advantage of. You know, something like some weird like Maw Wild Cheese, something like that, like what Brayden had. Like, but maybe you have to put down a different deck to be able to abuse it, and that's yeah. like a time to make a move. But it's hard. It's hard when the meta is so wide. Uh, it's hard to take advantage of that, right? And then this last prediction, kind of a different one here. We've got an over-under set at 3.5, over-under 3.5 Radiant Greninja in top eight. There's a lot of decks that play Radiant Greninja, but there's also a lot that do not include it. I mean, I guess the main ones is just Lost Box and um, Chien Pao that do play it, right? And Gardevoir. Gardevoir, Gardevoir, yeah. Yeah, yeah can't forget Gardevoir. But then, you know, we've got the Charizards, we've got the Lugias, we've got the Muse. Like, these decks do not play Radiant Greninja over under 3.5 Azul. What do you think? Well, if I'm assuming there's an Arceus deck in top eight, but are they going to copy Nicolo and have the Radiant Greninja? <laughs> no guarantees, but right, brother? I do like the Braden build a little bit better. So I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to go under on the 3.5. Ooh. I'm expecting an Arceus deck that does not play it to be in there. So yeah, I'm taking the, I'm taking so let's the go against... 3.5. There's just, yeah, Lost Box is going to be really popular. Like, Hardvore. Yeah. And also in this one, I guess if Brent is the only person I can think of that I'm rooting for to make the top eight, I'm already putting a uh, Greninja in the top eight. So I'm kind of got conflicting, uh, <laughs> conflicting predictions here, but I'm hoping for the best. Maybe. Oh, OK. So we get a, you're, someone in there to get top eight with Arceus. Brent doesn't play Radiant Greninja in Gardevoir. I don't know what you're <laughs> playing, Brent, but take out the yeah, take out the. He Greninja. doesn't want to play Gardevoir, so it doesn't get copied by MuEX. That's the. Yeah. So you don't play your own Greninja. Genius. So what would you play? What Radiant would you add to your Gardevoir? Serena? Do you have to play one? No, technically not. It's on the rule book. You could go no radiant. <laughs> Wait, what Is if they ever came out with better? like uh what if they came oh, out with a one-off? Here you go, here you go. All right, no 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 no. Here you go. All right, go, 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 go. We play Gardevoir with a one Radiant Eternatus and one Duraludon V Max. Ooh. Why don't we just play Temple of Sinnoh though? Why are we <laughs> play two temple of Sinnoh with all that effort we could just play two temple of Sinnoh. all right but i like it though try it out brent see if it's good enough cut the radiant greninja radiant vikavolt so i can win these or no charge charge vikavolt dude that thing was so bad that's probably the worst radiant pokemon yeah, the steelix i think is better good. not good when you attach energy to a v pokemon when you're what's the does. worst one you could play in gardevoir though worst like oh. Radiant Venusaur would be terrible. Radiant Steelers. Radiant, no. Well, I mean, I guess any of them that you can't attack with would be the worst, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Radiant Garvor would be pretty bad. Well, no, you'd reduce the damage you take from the No, no, Pokemon Radiant Garvor would be fine. I said Radiant, what did I say? I said Radiant Venusaur. Oh, Venusaur? Yeah, you never have less early than game draw power. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty bad. Like, yeah, my own will come back. Oh, no, because he's at the end of your turn. Yeah, exactly. Like... Venusaur is so bad, man. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so yeah, bad. Venusaur is not great. Venusaur was hoping for some good one prize Pokemon to go with it, but they never came. Well, Yo, Azul, I think that's it for our episode this week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and supporting. And if you want to continue to show your support, 
the best way to do it is to leave us a rating or a view. It's the easiest and fastest thing you can do to help us out. Interact with us over here on the YouTube channel if you're watching. Um, and if you want to stay up to date with myself and Azul, you can follow us over on Twitter at Chip Ritchie, at Azul underscore GG or at Uncommon underscore Energy. Appreciate the support as always. Catch y'all next week. Should be back to the regular schedule on Tuesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. And of course, stay tuned for the bonus episode if you are a Patreon supporter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.